Hello, and thank you for joining me on this episode of Dropping the Plumb Line. My name is Stacy Mueller, and it is 7-28-2022, and tonight we celebrate the first fruits, the new moon, the fifth month of the Hebrew covenant calendar known as Av. Now, Av in the blueprint has everything to do with hearing the Father's voice. And so there's an anointing to hear him and to receive what he wants to share with us so that we have clarity on moving forward. Now, I don't even think it's just even clarity, but I think it's strength and confidence because when we hear God's voice, it just gives us a restful assurance that he's with us. I know in myself that I spend a lot of time praying to the Lord and giving him my petitions, but not always do I take the time to just sit and listen and then record what God's putting in my heart that he's saying. And then I can go out all my days and then find adversity and circumstances that aren't lining up with what I thought God was putting in my heart. And if I've written it down, it just helps me to go through that shaky time where unbelief and fear are starting to knock at my door. And so I just encourage you this month to take time to grab your notebook and to take that time to just sit and listen. And in our culture, that's not so easy to do. Now, last month had everything to do with seeing and what our eyes were actually focused on. Were we looking at the things of God or the things of man? Um, Were we putting our eyesight on the promise or the lack of? And this month has everything to do with hearing God's voice over the voice of the enemy and even our own vain imaginations. Now, you can learn more about the Hebrew Covenant calendar when you go to momana.life. I've written all about it. But in this podcast, I want to just specifically share what God illuminated in the scriptures to me um, about uh, uh, Samuel. And Samuel's name actually means heard from God. And so that's probably one of the reasons why I went there and then I was like, Wow, God, you're speaking a word to us right now, and I want to share that in this podcast. So many of you are familiar with the story of Samuel, but I just want to share a few highlights before we start reading the scriptures. Now, Samuel's name actually means heard from God. And as we know, just going through the scriptures and reading about the heroes of faith, that their names, when you interpret them, had something to do with their destiny and why God chose them out to serve him. For example, Abram was, you know, means exalted father. And then the Lord came to him and changed his name to Abraham. And that meant father of many nations. And this is exactly what the Lord spoke to him and prophesied that he would be a father of many nations. And so Samuel is no exception to this rule. He heard from God during during a time when the priesthood was very corrupt and there was no widespread revelation because of it and the priests were not really sharing the voice of God or you know making the offerings properly to God to atone for the people and so uh, during this time is about the time after we finish the book of judges we're getting to the end Samuel is the last judge and then the first prophet and a priest that God is raising up. So he has all of these hats that he is going to be wearing as God matures him. Now, during the time of the book of Judges, uh, this was after Joshua died, and the children of Israel decided to just kind of go their own way and start adopting you know, many of the things that the culture was um, doing in serving their idolatry. And so God was you know, kind of angry, but 
but angry because they weren't one with him. They were make choice. They were making choices that were causing such a separation between him and his people, and so those choices opened the door for the adversary to rule and reign over them. And then the people would cry out, and God would raise up a judge to start speaking the truth and turning them back toward the Lord. And so then they would be in a place of peace and rest. And that didn't last long because they would start going back to what they were doing. And so this was going back and forth between 14 um, different judges that God raised up. And so now we come to the time of Samuel. Now there was a set time that Samuel was going to come into the earth because he was going to be used to bring forth um, a transition for the covenant plan of bringing it into a kingship, a period of kingship. And God was not only going to raise him up to be a judge, a priest, and a prophet, but he was also going to anoint the king that was going to rule over the children of Israel. And so that's a huge difference than where they are presently before Samuel arrives on the scene. And this is no different than where we're at right now. We are coming to the end of the church age, and we're about ready to transition into the kingdom age, where the Jesus is our king of kings. He's raising up the Samuels right now to have that anointing of kingship and the rulership uh, to judge righteously, to have his priesthood, because you cannot judge righteously unless you understand the law. And then they have the boldness and the spirit of wisdom to speak as God gives them utterance, the truth. And so this is what I call the remnant today. And they're going to be used to usher in uh, this new transitional period called the millennium. And so this is really exciting, but you know what? It's not so easy. And Samuel had to um, be challenged in a few places to really go against the current of the people and his boss, Eli, and the, um, Eli's sons. And so that took great, great courage with Samuel. I just find it amazing how God does everything according to his set time. And Samuel comes in at God's set time to really raise him up to help through this transition. And this is one of the reasons why his mom, Hannah, whose name actually means mercy and grace and favor, she was barren for many, many years. And she was married to Elkanah, and his name means redeemed by God. And he just loved Hannah. You can read this in chapter one. And he had another wife, and she kept just bearing children and, you know, multiplying them, you know, right and left. And there is Hannah just crying out to the Lord. And she's just so sorrowful because she hasn't had any children. And yet um, Elkanah just loves Hannah more than anything. And he continues to give her the double portion. That kind of sounds like Joshua or uh, Joseph. Um, his kids got the double portion, yet they had to go through some circumstances to get that inheritance and to walk forward. And Hannah is going to go through this process as well. Now, Hannah was crying out to the Lord and saying, Lord, um, I just want to have a male child. You know what? I'll just dedicate him to you if you would just open up my womb. Now, when that transpired, her desires lined up with God's desire. And so often we pray and pray and pray. We're praying our own desires. And then finally we come to the end of ourselves and then we kind of relent and like turn and go, you know what? 
not my will, but your will. And that takes a a letting go and a humility and meekness. And the Lord says that the meek are going to inherit the earth, but they're also going to be used to rise up in a time where God needs them to help be his witness to bringing his kingdom here on the earth. And so Hannah has this moment where it wasn't like uh, a, you know, selfish wish, but now she's saying, you know what, Lord, I'll just give him, I'll loan him back to you. And that's when God anointed Eli the priest to bless her womb, and she was impregnated. And so Samuel came forth, and she weaned him. And then after she weaned him, she gave him to Eli. So Samuel was raised up in the church, if you want to call it the church, but he was raised up in the tabernacle to hear the word of God, to learn all about God's laws so that God could then use that training to do a new thing. Now, it's no different right now than the remedy who have been in the church um, age, and we have a lot of compromise that's going on with the leadership in the church. Some of it is unconscious, and some of it is conscious. Um, Some leaders are in there for wrong reasons, and some leaders just went to Bible school, and they were trained in the the schooling of some of these um, doctrines of men that we've all come to believe are true. There's been some compromise, and we've built church according to the structures of the ways of man and not the ways of God. And these few things have really caused division and denominational uh, doctrines that separate us uh, from one from another and put man up on a stage where he's the one that hears from the Lord and everyone needs to um, come underneath that um that headship and to listen and to submit. Now, God's given us the Holy Spirit because he wants us all to hear the voice of the Lord that no man would would have to teach us and that we could all come into that intimacy with him. And yet the church structure, and this really started off with the Pope and when, you know, the Roman Catholic Church kind of set that up so that the Pope was the vicar of Christ and he was the one that heard from God and could share with the people what God was saying. And at that time, there was no uh, word of God for the people to even look at. Um, They would just listen and they would follow and obey. And much of the message came out with, you know, hell and condemnation and fear um, to put the people in control. And some of that has just filtered all through the generations. And God just wants to deal with that. He's coming back um, to judge his church first. And he's going to use the Samuels to rise up in the midst of this and to separate them out to do a new thing. So that's an overall synopsis of the story of Samuel and pretty much chapter one I've kind of given you and laid out. And I'm starting now in chapter two, and we're going to start with verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servants would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Verse 14, then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did it in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Now Shiloh was their first capital, and Shiloh actually means peace. Verse 15, also before they burned the fat, the priest's servants would come and say to the man who sacrificed, give me meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. 
And if the man said to the priest, they should really burn the fat first, and then you may take as much as your heart desires, the priest would answer him, no, but you must give it now. And if not, I'm going to take it by force. And therefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred or despised the offering of the Lord. Now, when God's people do something that's not right, and they're insistent and controlling, you know, manipulating people to do so, it will cause the people that join and partner with that to be angry inside. They're going to despise it. And so now you have something that's going on internally that doesn't set well with people. And this is where a lot of people have actually left church because they're going to the, into church. They're seeing, you know, some things that aren't quite right. And many times it has to do with money to be, to be honest with you, because money is like one of those last things that really um, hooks us and takes us down into a wrong pathway that the enemy wants us to go in, especially with the leaders. And they'll use the offering sometimes for their own personal gain to elevate them in status. Sometimes they're doing things behind the doors that nobody even knows, um, raising up funds, and then they're not really doing, uh, using those funds for the for what they were being raised for. And even we're finding out now that there's sex trafficking and some of these things that are going on in the church. And so when you come into the church and you start, you know, becoming a member and you're, you know, you put all your heart and your, and your time and your effort and your money into a, into a house of God. And all of a sudden you start feeling that, oh, something's not right. You know, you need to start listening to that voice because what we've done in the past is we just say, you know, well, this is the mighty man of God and we discount it and we just go ahead and we um, continue on. And so this is what was transpiring with the men of God that were offering to the priests that were corrupt and something inside of them just knew this wasn't right, but they kept doing it. When we keep doing something that God is not in, we actually say it's okay. We are calling evil good. We're coming into agreement with that corruption. And then that puts us into the judgment of God as well. And so the Lord is awakening us to see what are we coming in agreement with, even if it's the leadership of a church that is doing things that are not sitting well and and really lining up with what God says is truth and his way. And so God is going to raise up Samuel in the midst of all this, just like he's raising up the remnant um, right now as well. Verse 18, but Samuel He ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. And when you see that linen in scriptures, it means the purity, the refinement. Um, Gosh, there's just the holy water of God just flowing and going in and out because it's just so pure. It says in verse 19, moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And I love this picture of Hannah. She is never stops loving the Lord and giving of her heart to Samuel. Every year she's going up and she's giving him a robe. Now, what does that mean? Well, this robe actually represents all of the covering of her prayers, her love, her intercession, and her praise. You know, we put on the garments of praise, the robe of righteousness. And so 
we can see that even though Samuel has been raised up in corruption, God is covering him through intercession and through the obedience of his mom to separate him and keep him pure. Verse 20, and then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and said, the Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan Samuel that was given to the Lord. So they went their own way and Hannah was visited by the Lord and she had, uh, I don't know, three sons and two daughters. Now we're going to go to verse 22. Now Eli was very old and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel and how they lay with them with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now that's the threshold right at that tabernacle of meeting at that door. That's where you brought your offerings and then the priest would bring them into the holy place. Verse 23. So he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, for it's not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. If one man sins against another, well, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who's going to intercede for him? It was the priest's job to intercede. Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. Now they had an opportunity, you know, Eli is really stepping up at this point as high priest to confront the iniquity of his sons, but he was a little bit too late and they were not able to hear his voice. And the sad part about this story is that Eli never removed them from that position, even after confronting them. And so because Eli did that, he now be, is responsible for allowing it all this corruption to continue on. And so Eli's uh, will receive the judgment as well. Now, I, I really want to lay this out. Do you understand what they were doing? They were actually telling the people, the women that were coming to the church, that, you know, before you make that offering, you need to make me an offering. And they were sleeping with these, with these, with these women. And that sounds like horrible, but it's happening in the church. I'm telling you, it's happening in the church and God is starting to expose it. Okay, um, verse 26, but the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor, both with the Lord and men in the midst of all of this. And so I do believe that as we've been coming to the end of this church age, that God kind of at a set time said, you're going to be my remnant. You're going to be my remnant. You're going to be my remnant. I'm separating you out for you to come and to hear my voice. And you're going to learn my ways, not what the church has been teaching, but I'm going to show you the truth in my word so that I can use you to help facilitate what's up ahead. All right, what happens in the scriptures next is that God sends a man to prophesy to Eli because of the choice that he made to keep his sons there. And he really prophesies kind of doom and gloom and says, Eli and you and your sons and your house are going to come to an end and actually your sons are going to die. And so this is not a good word, but it is um, sometimes we have to give a word of truth um, to confront evil. Um, in the house. All right, I'm going now to chapter three, and this is really where the Lord really wants to speak to us today. 
Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Now, we might look at that scripture and go, well, that's not really what's happening today. But really, is it? I want to ask you, because uh, are the pastors right now and the leaders of the body of Christ, are they starting to declare um, truth and the mysteries of God? Are they sharing with the body um, why we're in this situation that we're in right now where the world and the deep state are taking over in many areas and we're coming underneath some oppression and destruction? Are they sharing what is the solution for this situation? Are they even giving you instruction on what to do? No, I don't think that you're seeing a lot of that. And that's the revelation that we need to hear the mysteries of God because God has hidden them from the church because of the choices that made that caused them to be blind. And some of the leaders had no idea. They have no idea because they just grew up and this is what you do and this is what's right and this is how you serve the Lord. And and some people have no idea the things that are happening in, you know, the back doors of, you know, the back rooms of the church. And, you know, for a period of time, God's grace covered it because there was wheat that was coming forth from the church. And he said that until his set time that he was going to pluck out um, this, you know, wheat and these tares. And so we're going to start seeing this separation immensely. And the Lord's going to judge the house first. All right. Now, verse two, it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in this place when his eyes had become um, growing dim, that he could not see. So we're at the end of Eli's life. We know we're coming into a transition of leadership. And verse 3, And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, then the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here I am. Now we read in that scripture that it's even the end of an age. The lamp is going out. And so God is saying it's time for a new era. And so Samuel is so cute. He's like, here I am. And so verse five, um, uh, it says, so he ran to Eli because that was his boss, his instructor, his high priest, the one that he heard God's voice through. He said, here I am for you called me. And he said, uh, no, Eli, uh, Samuel, I did not call you. Lie down again. And he went and he laid down. Verse 6, then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and he went to Eli and he said, here I am for you call me. And he answered, no, Samuel, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Verse 7, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Now this is a key scripture. It's in verse 7. 7 is the number of completion and blessing. And we're reading right now that Samuel was under tutorial of Eli, had heard about God, was learning about God, but had never had an encounter to hear God himself. And this is where much of the church is at. 
They've listened to their leaders and what are the prophets saying? And they're going there first instead of hearing the Lord first for themselves and then allowing the scriptures to be revealed to them. You know, when God, when God reveals something to you in the word, you know, no one can take that from you. It changes you. But if you're learning an uh, instruction from someone else, that's their revelation. It hasn't become your revelation unless you take it and you start sitting with it and you marinate and then it becomes your revelation. And so Samuel is about ready to go through this transformation. Verse eight, and the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he rose and he went to Eli and he said, here I am for you did call me. And then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Now I love that even though Eli is steeped in corruption, he still has a pure heart and he loves Samuel. He calls him his son. And so he recognizes, wow, this isn't, this is Samuel's time. He needs to hear God for himself. So he instructs Samuel on what to do. Now, I think we uh, leaders in the body of Christ um, need to be doing that. We should be instructing the church, the body of Christ, to listen and to hear God for themselves. And so, uh, especially right now, because that's what God is doing. Now, it's interesting. I can't go past the scripture where now Samuel has been spoken and called to by the Lord three different times. And now that detail, I think, is important because we have gone through three, well, there's three big ages that we have go through in scriptures from Abraham to Jesus. We're going to call it the Passover age. And so from the Passover age to um that's where we came into a covenant with God nationally. But from um, Jesus's time until the time we're at right now, it's called the Pentecost age. And we came into a oneness with the Lord and he gave us the Holy Spirit. And that's what we've been walking out. But now we're going to go into a tabernacles age where we come into truly a full manifestation of the glory of God and the oneness of God um, corporately. And so I believe that's what Samuel is raised up to do, to bring the, the, uh, um, at this time, as best as he can, the nation of God into headship with um, the Lord and to bring them together. All right. Verse nine. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, now, now go lie down and it shall be if he calls you, you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and he laid down in his place. Verse 10. Now the Lord came and stood and called it as he did at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. This is what you and I should be saying this month. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel in which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And in that day, I'm going to perform against Eli and all that I've spoken concerning his house from beginning to the end. For I had told him I was going to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And so what was the tingling that was going to come forward? Well, let's put it into today's, um, you know, time frame. 
If God is about ready to judge the house, just like he was about ready to judge Eli's house, and he was going to use Samuel to really share that word, then um, you, if, if, you, if on the other side of that, uh, we see all of a sudden all these ministry leaders falling, God causing them to come down from their platforms, churches folding, and all of a sudden everyone's going to be talking. It's going to be tingling their ears, and they're like, oh my gosh, God's not in the church. The church is breaking down. Did you see that that leader fell down? Oh my gosh, did you hear about the sex trafficking? And this is going to cause the ears to tingle. And then everyone's going to say, wow, what are we going to do now? And Samuel at his time, had the answer because he'd been listening to the Lord. And you and I, who are called to come out and to hear God's voice, are going to have the answer because we heard his voice and he is telling us, walk this way. And so that's what's transpiring. Now imagine Samuel getting his first word from the Lord and it's about his boss who is doing something wrong and he has to give him a judgment word. That's going to take a lot of courage to step out and to share that first word that's, you know, against someone that he probably completely loves because he raised him. And so we're going to go uh, now to verse 15. So Samuel laid down until morning. He opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. I would be too if God gave me that and I had to go in and start telling a pastor friend of mine who I know, hey, you're not right with God and God's going to judge you. He's going to pull you away from your platform. Verse 16, then Eli called Samuel and he said, Samuel, my son, he said, here I am. And verse 17, and he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Verse 18, then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Now, I want to stop here and share a couple things. First of all, it took a lot of boldness and courage for Samuel to do that. And he spoke the full truth, everything that God had given him. But secondly, he was given a platform to speak because Eli said, speak. And so there are leaders right now that God has been really speaking to in their hearts and is causing their circumstances to be really difficult. And they've been crying out to the Lord, Lord, help me. I don't know how to go from here. And they are coming into a place where their heart is very contrite before God. And they're in, in that place of humility. The Lord says, the meek will inherit the earth. And, and because of the blood atonement of Yeshua and the mercy of God, Hannah, God's going to meet them right where they're at and help them pivot so that they are able to get to the finish line of what God has chosen them to do. And so these are the ones that are bowing. That's what the wheat does. It bows, but the tares stand straight up in pride. And so we have both types of leadership that are ahead of us. And the Samuels are going to be given an uh, entrance to come in to speak to those leaders that are bowing before the Lord. And they're going to receive the word because when truth is released, you cannot deny it. Even those that aren't ready to hear it, the truth still is on the table and it will work in due time. 
Okay, so verse 19. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. Samuel passed the test, and God raised him up then because he could trust him with his word, and so he stepped into a greater authority. And the remnant today are being tested with God's word to step out, and he's going to give them a greater authority. So what we take away from chapter 3 is that God is saying to us, speak for your servant hears. We need to be saying this to the Lord and then taking the time to listen because he wants to talk to us. Now, when you go into chapter 4, the very next chapter, it's kind of a sad chapter um, because it's the culmination of this word that God used to give um, the prophet and then Samuel to speak to Eli and his sons. But also it shows you where the children of Israel were. You know, God raised up the Philistines to defeat them in battle and there was about 4,000 that died and they were like kind of perplexed because God had always kind of been with them and they were able to defeat many of the ites in the land and so they were kind of coming together and talking about it and going hmm what can we do and so they came up with this idea and they said well let's bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us and that when it comes among us you know God's gonna save us and you know we're gonna have victory over our enemy so they were using the holy things of God, the word of God, to the presence of God, to help them while they were walking against God and not walking with God in all that they were doing. How can God partner with that? And so it's kind of like um, Christians today who, you know, take out the word of God and they were in a lot of really dire circumstances and they've been lying, they've been cheating, they've been doing things that, you know, do not please the Lord. And then they go, oh God, where are you? Why aren't you helping me? Well, I'm just going to decree that the blood, the blood of Jesus is just going to cover me. And I thank you for your grace. My, your grace is sufficient for my weaknesses. And you know, God, you're just going to spring me out of this. And you know what? Sometimes God does that, but you know, there's consequences to the choices that we make. And yes, his mercy is sufficient for us. But we cannot use the grace card and continue lying and stealing and cheating and compromising. And God's after the little compromises right now. And so it didn't, this whole thing didn't work for them. And the ark of God was actually stolen from them. And the Philistines took it. Matter of fact, the enemy had more fear of God than the children of Israel. And in that fear, they, they really um, went to battle with, with some wisdom. And they were able to take the ark of God. Now at this time, then Phineas, his two sons end up dying. And then when Eli heard that, you know, we already knew that he was old. And then that really like kind of um, did him in and he died as well. And one of um, Eli's sons uh, was uh, married and she was pregnant at the time. And she was giving birth when all this was transpiring. And she named the child Ichabod, meaning the glory has departed from Israel because of the ark that God, it had been captured and because her father-in-law and her husband, they had been killed. Now, that is really a sad state of affairs because, you know, God's glory was with them and now it was taken away from them. 
And we have to recognize when God is finished with something so that we can follow the cloud by day and the fire by night, that we can follow the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Spirit. We can follow his lead and see where his glory is going. And the church as it is today, God is about ready to cause that lamp to go out. And God is removing his grace from the structure of the church and the the compromises that they have done. And he's moving out and he's doing a new thing. And so God is raising the Samuels, you, you know, up right now to help them through that transition and to lead them back into his glory. So we can keep reading on Samuel's story, and I don't really want to do so right now, except to say this, is that God um, really trained him up to, you know, be in the law and understand the priesthood. Then he prophesied, and he was able to help be the voice of God for the children of Israel. And then he was a judge, and he helped judge the people righteously. And then finally, he anointed the kings, and he was uh, used to transition the children of Israel to sit underneath an earthly king instead of the king of kings himself. Now, we're going to go full circle, and the Lord is coming back to a time where we're hearing his voice, and we're sitting under his kingship alone. And so God is about ready to do something new, and the Samuels are going to bring us into the fullness of his glory. Now, I want to leave you with one more story, and that is with Elijah, because Elijah was also used through a transitionary period and to help further the kingdom cause ahead into right um, rulership. Now, uh, during the days of Elijah, the um, people that were king and queen over the, the house of God or the house of Israel was Ahab and Jezebel. And the scriptures read that they were more wicked than any other king that had been before them because they had joined themselves to the Ashertos and Moloch and the, you know, the worshiping of all these Baals. And so it polluted the people and caused them to do the same thing. You know, the leadership has a, a very important uh, responsibility to lead people the right way, but they can lead them the people the wrong way as well. And so God is raising up um, Elijah right now to confront the false prophets who had been, you know, joined to this uh, kingship and to the government of it to be these false prophets and to continue to speak things that weren't from the Lord. And we know the story in 1 Kings 18 that God supernaturally raised up um, Elijah to confront those false prophets. And God showed signs and wonders and miracles. And he um, really killed, he was able to kill all those false prophets. And then Elijah then left that scene that was magnificently amazing. I mean, God showed himself off. And I can't even imagine being Elijah in that moment um, to see God's supernatural hand. And then out of that spirit, he goes forward and he's with Ahab. And he's also then confronted with the messenger of Jezebel who had heard what Elijah had done. And so uh, these are the words that the Lord says through Jezebel. She says, so let the gods do for me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them, those false prophets that you killed, 
by this time tomorrow. And so she was actually decreeing a death sentence over Elijah. And so he ran for his life. He, when he saw that, when he heard that, he arose and he ran for his life. And then he went and he fled into the wilderness. Now at that moment, here is Elijah hearing God's voice. And then he is used to confront those that are listening to the wrong voice. And now he's been tested at, you know, one of the greatest moments after, you know, he was able to bring down all the false voices. But now God has to bring him up higher to a higher call to hear a small voice of the Lord. And so he was listening to the wrong voice. He was listening to the the leader of the house of God that, you know, it's kind of like us listening to the pastor over the voice, that still small voice that God is giving us. And that's not easy to do, especially when you admire those in leadership. And so there is something that's going on with Elijah here that I find kind of amazing. First, he flees in fear. Secondly, he starts listening to the voice of the victim. And he's like, oh, woe is me. Oh my gosh, God, I'm the only one that is left. And he's listening to that voice. If we're listening to the voice of the victim, I can assure you, you're not listening to the voice of God. And so God comes to him and he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And then Elijah responds with the voice of the victim. Oh, I've been so zealous for you, Lord. And you saw what happened. We tore down those altars and the prophets were killed, but I alone am left and they want to kill me. And the leadership wants to kill me. And so then the Lord said to him, Elijah, get up. It's time for you to stop this pity party. I've got another, I've got more for you to do. Get up, go out, stand on the mountaintop, up ahead, the voice of the enemy, up over your, the victim voice that is trying to tear you down. Come up higher, sit with me. And so up at that mountain, God is bringing forth a great wind that passed by. It broke through the rocks and the Lord wasn't in the wind. And then he brought an earthquake and he wasn't in that. And then he brought the fire and he wasn't in that. But what was he in? The still small voice. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, Elijah, what are you doing here? I've got a work for you to do. And if you can hear my voice, you're going to press on and you are going to be the one that I use to pass the torch so that we can take this stronghold down and we can multiply the prophets to go forth in signs and wonders. And so Elijah was told to anoint Jehu the king, who was then called to take down Ahab and Jezebel and everyone that was in his kingship, as well as anoint Elisha to uh, Anna's company to go forward in signs and wonders. Well, that's all I have for you for the month of Av. I hope the story of Samuel and Elijah are helping you, his remnant, to hear the voice of God and why 
why it's so important to take that time to do so. God, I just ask that you would open up those ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, that those that are listening, Father God, that you would bless them with time, extend their time, Father God, to be able to listen and to record what you're saying. And Lord, I ask also that you would go before them and make a way for them to join those that are hearing God's voice and His voice alone, and so that they can come into this unity and say, wow, God is saying the same thing. He's got one voice speaking to each one of us, and He's clearly giving us a direction. In Jesus' precious name, God bless you. 